The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, you shouldn't rock the boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. And by the way, I meant to mention Missouri Liberty Radio. We're also on there, too. We appreciate our friend Sam over there carrying us. Uh, If you want to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. You're going to see two videos there. The one on the left side of the page is... Bradley's show from the previous day. Uh, we are re- pre-recording the show right now. It's going to be, I'm not going to tell you a lie. It'll be, we're live now. <laughs> we'll live air the pre-record uh, on the day you're hearing this. So this will all this will look different for the video audience. But when you go over there, the left side of the page will be Bradley's show from the previous day. The right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up whatever device you've got there. Look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. And click on that. You can join us in the chat on Rumble. We usually have a lot of friends over there. And um, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel over there on Rumble. Be sure to subscribe to that. And then also we're streaming live to beforeitsnews.com, top of the page over there. And our friend Michael and his crew have given us um, a space over there. And we appreciate that because that opens us up to a a whole lot of uh, uh, viewers and people who go to their site which gets a whole lot of traffic. So we appreciate them doing that right up under where we are streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Be sure to do that. Uh, it goes out once a day between seven and eight Eastern in the evening. And um, that includes the morning show archive. So if you're interested in getting that sign up for that right there. And then if you want our ministry email, you want to know what sons of Liberty uh, is actually doing each week <clears throat> that goes out once a week. Uh, on Saturdays, and you can sign up for that at sonsoflibertyradio.com. And um, again, that's that goes out once a week. So you can keep up with what we did the previous week, or in some cases where Bradley and them went to Virginia, they we had about three weeks or four weeks worth of in, uh, pictures that we had on there and information regarding what was learned in James, where were they at? Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown, I believe it was. So they they share some of our, our history, our Christian history out of those places. So be sure and sign up for that. That's on sonsoflibertyradio.com. Okay, today is we have a special guest. He's not new to the audience here, and uh, certainly not for the Missouri Liberty Radio audience either. Uh, it's Brent Winters, and uh, Brent is the thecommonlawyer.com. That's the name of his site. And uh, I brought him on today because we're going to talk about something I think is going to be very interesting uh, for some people. And I think very informative and very practical. And the reason I wanted Brent to talk about this subject is almost daily, if not daily, you'll get at least one bad cop story here in America. Okay. At least one. Sometimes you might get two, but at least one. And uh, usually that comes from our friend Matt Agrist over at the Free Thought Project, and we appreciate them uh, letting us uh, be able to to carry some of those articles. But 
usually he's showing you that and he's documenting it. And some people go, oh, well, that guy deserved to get shot because he just didn't obey an, uh, an order from a guy in a uniform. I don't know where the word of God says that just because you didn't obey an order and you weren't a threat and maybe you were even running away and possibly you were a 12, 13, 14 year old kid uh, and get shot in the back, uh, that, that that's an okay thing to do. Uh, it's not. So what I, what I want, uh, Brent's got a, a piece that he does called Don't Talk to the Police. And uh, to hear me or to help me with all of this and getting some order and some practicality for us to use is Brent Winters. Good morning, brother. Good morning, Tim. Hope all things are well there in the state of South Carolina. I was just reading about South Carolina this morning, a note. It was a note that I had in the Bible about the desire, almost uncontrollable, of the Union troops to wreck vengeance on South Carolina. And the general officers were writing to to uh, U.S. Grant, telling him that they didn't think they would have to encourage the Union troops to, to be aggressive. What they were worried about was that they didn't know that if they could constrain them, constrain them from being too aggressive. So South Carolina has a rich history and a part in the parts of our history as Americans. And every time I hear the word South Carolina, it conjures up a lot of things in my mind of, of our own history, important history that should not be forgotten. But Amen. that's a, that's a sidetrack to what, <laughs> <laughs> what we're going to talk about, but I don't feel constrained always by plans, but I try to stick to what you want to talk about. And you want to talk about the fifth amendment. Is that right? Yeah, well, that's a that's a part of it. The, 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 that's going to be a part of what we're talking about. And but yeah, we're we're wanting to look at why, not just the okay. We understand that we don't have to say anything, but the the, the why behind that. And speaking of South Carolina, just so people know, I think I've told this once on the air. My mom and dad had a, have a house. I don't know, hundred two hundred yards from me, and they had an old. They had an old um, like a barn in the backyard. It still is actually still standing. It's down the woods. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. my mom went in there one year. This was probably 20 years ago and started mm -hmm. going through it. And she was bringing out mm -hmm. all these old bottles. You know, you find all this old stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And um, she got this letter that was written in the early 1860s. Mm -hmm. And it was just, when you read the letter, it was just like, you know, Tom Wright and John, I forget the guy, people who are writing each other, but it was mm -hmm. just a regular day. You know, this is going on, by the way, this particular army marched through York or something. I forget what the name of the town was that they went through. It was just kind of like a, it's kind of like we would say a news story in passing today. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how they mentioned it, it was like a one line thing. And I just thought that's mm -hmm. really odd. You're in this, um, you know, war. Uh, in which, you know, the great Marxist Lincoln, the tyrant himself, uh, decided he's going to do all this kind of stuff. And uh, and this is how you this is how you're writing your letters like, oh, it's mm -hmm. like this is going on somewhere else. Not really, you know, just down the street from us. So that that's a neat mm -hmm. little thing. But, yeah, let's talk about mm -hmm. the police. Now, we've talked about here on the air. The fact that police. And policy sort of end up going together, as far as I'm concerned. The policy, uh, they're enforcers of the policy. We call them law enforcers, but they're really enforcers of the policy. And so the question I have is, when we say don't talk to the police, what are we actually communicating to people so that they understand it? We're talking about the danger of speaking to agents of the powers that be. Yes. I don't like to use the word government, and I don't like to use the word state because that confuses things. Those words have become hackneyed. That means they're thrown around like cordwood till they don't mean anything. People hear the sounds of the words. They pop in their brains, and they think they know what it means. They don't stop here. They consider. But William Tyndale, translating the Bible for the first time from the original tongues, the Hebrew, the Chaldean, the Koine Greek, coined the phrase powers that be and it's in romans chapter 13 
um, <clears throat> right at the beginning of the chapter there. And he uses that phrase, and that is a good way to describe who the government is. We were talking this morning on another program about Jack Henson's Private War, and I'd read that book to our listeners over a period of months, every 15 minutes at a time over the air. And it's about a man that lived in West Kentucky who was not committed to the North or the South, and uh, U.S. Grant had been a recruiting officer in Coles County, Illinois, and he crossed over the border in Kentucky. He got a new assignment, and he was to gain control of the Cumberland and the Tennessee rivers, which would have gained control of the entire guts of the southern states. And he did that. And there was a man there named Jack Henson who invited him into his home and told him, told Brigadier General Grant, I don't want to get involved in this mess. But he said, I'm here if you need me. And he helped him a little, reconnaissance the battlefields after the Battle of Fort Pillow and Donaldson, the forts there. But then under the policy, under the policy, there was that word again of Secretary of War Stanton, um, the officers down there, the Union officers, murdered two of his teenage boys while they were squirrel hunting one fall on, on his own property. And it got worse than that, so ugly that I don't want to say what happened after that. It's just terrific. And he went to war. He chose sides and went to war. But in a case like that with Jack Henson, see, his struggle was, who is the government? Well, if you say powers that be, that comes closer because who is the government? It's the one in any given situation that has the most physical monopoly of force and violence at their disposal. That's the powers that be. So I like to use that word. And when you talk to whoever it is that has a monopoly on force and violence in your present situation, you're putting yourself at risk. Why? Because we as Americans are the only people in the world, the only nation in the world that has said we are exceptional because we recognize that we aren't exceptional. We are not. We're depraved. You know, the Japs said that they were the master race, sons of the sun. The, the Germans said, we are the master race. Oh, yeah, they said it for all the good things that happened. That's what they said. The Americans said, we are not the master race, and we're the only people in the world that ever did that. You know, even the Cheyenne Indians, the, their name for themselves was human beings. Because in their book, everybody else were animals, and they were human beings. Yeah, a lot of the Indian tribes were like that. And then you take the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Jewish people say, everybody else who's not Jewish are cattle. It's that way to varying degrees with all people. But we said, because we are reformed in our tradition, we said at the beginning of our nation, no, we're, we're going to be the exceptional people, really exceptional, and, and say that we are not exceptional. We are depraved. Therefore, we follow what the Bible says. We don't trust nobody. We don't even trust ourselves, as Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthians. I don't trust what you say about me, and I... I don't even trust what I think about myself. I, I trust what God says about me. He says it in this book, and he says I'm, I'm depraved and I shouldn't trust myself. In God we trust is our national motto. Amen. Not in our spouses, not in ourselves, not in other men. Therefore, they said, we're going to follow our old common law tradition. It's an old tradition. They didn't think this stuff up. The U.S. Constitution is not made out of whole cloth. All they did was put, in, put to writing our common law tradition and its fundamental tenets. And one of the fundamental tenets of the common law tradition, being a Christian tradition, is that we don't trust other people. And we believe in our common law tradition, as Acton said, the office does not sanctify the man. A man putting on a police uniform or a sheriff's deputy uniform doesn't sanctify him and make him airless. Uh, like the Pope says, when his haunches are sitting on the throne in the Lateran Palace, when he talks, he can't speak error. That's idolatry. And putting a uniform and a badge on does not make you right. It just gives you an office, and you, therefore, are bound to a duty to enforce the law, not to enforce what you think is the law. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do it uh, very carefully, and, and then uh, police officers and law enforcement officers 
being mere mortal men, are not trustworthy. So the Bible says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. You don't tell them information they're not entitled to. You don't tell them information that you believe in your conscience that he is not entitled to. And if you're scared and you think there's a possibility of criminal prosecution, then you're, the, our law says that your governance over your tongue to remain silent is protected. That's what it says. You know, we, we, uh, nobody can make you talk. I don't, there have been, Tim, there have been millions of people that have chosen death over speaking. Don't tell me somebody can make you talk. Now, That's right. the government can make life miserable. They can, the government can make you wish you had talk. They can put you on the rack and they can stretch your body. They can put screws under your fingernails. They can put you in jail and they can feed you nothing but trash at the county jail because they want to keep the extra money that they don't spend that the federal government gives them for food, for example, which they do uh, a lot. I mean, to the tunes of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in county jails all over America every day. They can do all that. They can deprive you of food, good food, food. They can deprive you of seeing your family, of talking to your lawyer. But don't tell me they can make you talk. They can't. That's the one power you have. You have the power of governance over this little tiny member in your mouth that James says is the most powerful member of your body, your tongue. You can start a fire that can destroy people's lives with your tongue. 80% of the people, 80%. I'm in good company when I say that. I read the statistics and I've talked to people. Talked to folk in jail. Talked to folk out of jail. Talked to folk while I was in jail. 80% of them wouldn't have been there if they had kept their mouths shut or had not written words on a piece of paper. Got to have that too. That's freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom to write, freedom to speak. On the flip side of that freedom of governance over this member called your tongue is the right to speak. It's the flip side of the same coin. The First Amendment is the right to speak, protected. The Constitution does not grant this responsibility called a right. It's a responsibility. It's a duty. It does not grant it, but it says the people of the United States, which is the militia, the men, the men of that time, the people, we the people of the United States ordained this Constitution. They're the ones that said we want this in there and we want, we want protection. We're ordering you to protect us and our Right, our responsibility, our duty before our God, direct, fundamental duty, direct from God, not through government, not from God, through government. That's Romans chapter 13. But direct from God without any intermediator between God and man of governance over your tongue. We don't want, said our, said the people of the United States, the militia of the several states of the United States, the males of the United States said through this Constitution that government does not have jurisdiction to interfere with your governance over, to your, tongue, over your tongue, to speak when you, you believe God wants you to, and to shut your mouth and not talk, remain silent, as the old translations say, hold your peace when God wants you to. That's what it is, and it has a long history in our common law tradition going back centuries. We can even take it back to the gospel records. Of course, the trace of this tradition is lost in the fog of antiquity in our common law tradition going back to those tribes on the north of Europe. But we see it when Jesus Christ was hauled and hailed before the powers that be, namely in the person of Pilate, who had all the authority of the God of Rome, which was the emperor. And he said that he, he chose not to say a word. He stood dumb, D-U-M-B, that means silent. And Pilate said, you don't know who I am, I guess, do you? You don't know what I can do to you, do you? You do not answer me. You remain silent like a sheep, the book says in Isaiah, before his shearers. He didn't say a word. He gave us a good example in that respect. But if we choose to remain silent, we're doing it because we know that any information we can give, we might give, 
could be used to provide a link. I'm quoting the federal courts, courts at this point, used to provide a link in a chain that could lead to a criminal prosecution. That's why it's important. Back to you, Tim. <laughs> well, of what I want to do is I want to read, just so people have it, this is the Fifth Amendment, just so they understand what we're going to be talking about and how to utilize that very practically. Uh, should you have anything from, I don't know, a parking ticket to a speeding ticket to, uh, you know, police come into your house that they're, they, they think you're a suspect in a murder or a robbery or any, any kind of thing. This is a right that is, is supposed to be protected. Uh, it, again, as, as Brent has said, it's not something granted by the constitution. It was something that's supposed to be protected by the people who swear to uphold that. So the fifth amendment says this. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a present, uh, presentment uh, or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service in time of war or public danger, nor, uh, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, which is great because this ought to speak to those people who think that Jesus just died for every single person, but somehow God's going to play double jeopardy there as well, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. There's a lot of stuff in here, Brant, um, but especially this part about what you said, and you know, we went over that the other week when we were talking about Christ informing those who are in front of him that they would see him, Caiaphas specifically, that he would see him coming in the power, uh, in the clouds with power and great glory. He would actually witness that, uh, Christ coming in that final day there to in the destruction of Jerusalem. But he was quiet, as you said, and Isaiah said he would be like that. He was, as you said, dumb, like a lamb or a sheep before its shearers. Uh, he was quiet. He didn't open his mouth. So how does this help a person? Because I can hear some, some head spinning uh, going on, and they're saying, well, Brent, what if they got me for the wrong thing, and I go trying to justify myself by telling them, well, this, this, and this, and this? Um, shouldn't yeah. I do that so they stop it? And the answer to that, <laughs> I don't want to hesitate to say, I've written all this down in a book, and you can go to commonlawyer.com and get the book called Don't Talk to the Police. It's uh, the, our great weapon. It's our great weapon. Yeah, why? You're, you say, well, I, wanna, I want to exonerate myself. I want to justify myself. I want to tell the police that I didn't do anything wrong. Forget it. Uh, quit being naive. I know you're naive because you haven't been around these kind of things. It's to be expected. Everyone is at some point. But police officers aren't out there to find people that are doing the right thing. They're out there to prosecute crime. That's what they know how to do. And they want to find somebody who's committing a crime. And if they uh, are talking to people, they want, they're looking. Their eyes are cocked. Their ears are cocked. They're looking for evidence of crime. And anything, listen, for example, the old Miranda thing, you know, it's kind of silly in some ways, but it does serve as a teaching point. Miranda, you read the Miranda rights, which is just telling them they have a right to remain silent. Remember that? Uh, you have a right to remain I silent. Did. Then what are they in the movies? And then what do they say? They say anything that you say could be used against you, and can and will be used against you. Well, the the truth is, it can and will. That's yep. right, and that's what I was going to say. That, but I'm glad you beat me to it. Can and will not. It will, friends. I don't care. You can say, I'm innocent. You know what they do to you? And I've seen this happen. I'm, I didn't do this. Get into court, and if the jury decides you did do it, even though you didn't, then they'll prosecute you for lying to a police officer. That's a felony. Because you said you didn't. Now the jury has come back with a verdict that you did. You can't win, friends. You say, that's terrible. You better believe it's terrible. Why do you think they put that in the Constitution? Because they know how terrible it is, and they know how the minions of government are. What did George Washington say? This should be quoted more often. Government, like fire. It's like fire. It's a, it's a, it's a dangerous friend and a fearsome foe. Government is not 
is not uh, eloquence, he said. It is not uh, persuasion. It is force. Dangerous. Government's a necessary evil. Now listen, if we were really doing things the way the Bible said to do it, uh, but that's not, has never proven to be even possible, the way the Bible says to do it. Why? Because of the depravity of man. That's why. You know, men at their best are still only men at best. That goes for everybody in government, and it goes for you too. Recognize your weakness. Once you say one thing, once you limber your tongue, it's hard to stop it. You want to speak so badly. How much discipline does it take to shut your blasted mouth? Yeah. I'll tell you from experience, it takes a lot. And especially when you're in that situation and the boys got their guns on and they got their dogs there and they got their uniforms on and they're shouting at you, it's very intimidating. There are a few people that have the discipline that the Bible says to have at that point. Don't talk. Be quick to hear and slow to speak. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that encourage not talking. I am reminded of the, of the motto of the clan, MacArthur. The motto of the clan, MacArthur. The motto of the clan, MacArthur, is three words. Silence. 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 <laughs> well, what does that translate into? Quit talking. Shut, up, you... shut your pie hole. <laughs> like, like, like the Italian says, shut up, you face. <laughs> we used to hear that in the movies, in the old gangster movies. But shut your mouth. We don't want to say shut up. It was against the rules in my house. Anybody says the word shut up. Mine too. But your children get creative and find other ways to say it. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's where I pull some of these. And, you know, the Bible has something to say about that too. I I don't know if many people understand. Well, I know there's some people understand controlling the tongue, but James takes time to do that. He says, my brethren, from James chapter Mm. three here, be not many Mm. masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any mm-hmm. man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and also mm-hmm. able to bridle the whole body. Behold, mm-hmm. we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey mm-hmm. us, and we turn about mm-hmm. their whole body. Behold also mm-hmm. the ships, which though they be mm-hmm. so great and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a small helm, whithersoever mm-hmm. the, governor, the governor listeth. Even so, mm-hmm. the tongue is a little member and boasteth mm-hmm. great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue mm-hmm. is a fire. You, I think you said you made you used a phrase mm-hmm. earlier about a fire. The tongue mm-hmm. is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members mm-hmm. that it defileth the whole body, setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Mm-hmm. And he talks about mm-hmm. all these beasts and different kinds of things uh, that God has created mm-hmm. being able to be tamed. And he says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Part of that is uh, through the spirit when you're talking about that is self-control. And that includes covering, governing your self-tongue, <laughs> your tongue. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so you're, that's exactly right. I think this is where mm-hmm. this is all coming through too, is that we learn to close our mouths and listen and not say anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, true in all of life. And our common law, this is a common law doctrine, doesn't exist in the rest of the world. Our common law is a way of life, all of life, not just a relation to government and the courts. All of life, be quick to hear, slow to speak. And if you're, if you're silent, 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 you won't be talking. And if you're listening, you won't be talking. Open the ears. The guy that's listening wins. Listening more than talking. So this whole idea started back, uh, came front and center in our modern times, back during the Reformation and the Civil War in Britain, which involved all of Scotland and Ireland and Wales. and uh, It was a mess, a terrible mess. But during those days, there was what was called the oath officio, and of course people were holding church services without permission, etc., uh, preaching without licenses, and they would be brought in, be brought in to testify. They'd put them under oath, and then they would testify 
and they'd say, well, did you, did you uh, attend a meeting where John Bunyan, he got arrested for that. That's a good example. Preaching without a license. And uh, if you didn't want to say, you didn't have to say. Um, but they didn't follow that because the Star Chamber Court, that's where they collect the taxes, and the oath officio of the, of the commission, they called it, um, were putting people to torture. And some were refusing to take the oath. There were a couple of folk there that were front and center. One of them oh, was a, a common lawyer. I disremember his name, but he was defending people and removing cases such as that from the commission court, which wasn't a court of all. It was an executive branch court under the king and the church. That was under the king too, as you know. He was head of the church. And then there were the real courts over here, and he removed it from those the law of the city courts to the common law courts. Now, when you read a while ago about uh, the land and naval forces and the and uh, except in time of war and all that. See, that's, that's not a common law jurisdiction. It's distinguishing there between admiralty, martial law, which is law of the city, and common law courts. And if you're a member of the militia in time of war, you're not under common law jurisdiction anymore. All of our armed forces are under that species of the law of the city called martial law or admiralty law, which the federal courts have jurisdiction over that too. That's why they have admiralty flags in their courts, because they have admiralty jurisdiction. Don't get all exercised over admiralty flags. You won't see an admiralty flag in a state court, because that's an exclusive jurisdiction of the federal courts by command of the Constitution of the United States. Admiralty flags are seen in federal courts because they have admiralty jurisdiction and martial law jurisdiction, etc. Well, uh we're in a common law world where we have the right to remain silent. We have the jury. We have the right to keep and bear arms, all of that. And uh, the right to remain silent is unique. It's special to us in the English-speaking world because the English-speaking world, uh, where English is the mother tongue, England, uh, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, we have this doctrine called the right to remain silent. And a right, a right, that old Anglo-Saxon word, uh, the old Germanic word is Reicht, like with the third Reich, that was a German word. What does it mean? It means duty. It doesn't mean I can do what I want respecting my tongue. No, it means duty, responsibility. Well, if you have duty or responsibility, you have that duty or responsibility to someone in a superior position to you. And the fundamental rights we have, such as the right to uh, freedom of the press, or freedom of assembly, the right to, um, to the religion clauses, the right to freedom of worship, uh, how we worship, the way we worship, the mode of worship, the Second Amendment, uh, the, the, the Third Amendment, the Fourth Amendment, right on through the, the Bill of Rights are fundamental rights to be distinguished from what has come to be called civil rights. What are fundamental rights? Fundamental rights are rights that come direct from God to the individual, placed in the individual, a responsibility, that's what the word means, a responsibility placed in the individual at his creation. And no government, no mere government, which are ordained by God, but they're a, a bunch of men, have jurisdiction to interfere in your right to keep and bear arms, in your right to freedom of worship, in your right to freedom of speech, in your right to remain silent, in your right to trial by jury. Those are all responsibilities. That's what they are. And they're direct responsibilities to your maker. That's why we call them fundamental. Those are special. Those still get the special attention of our courts and should. So when we say the right to remain silent, use it. And if you don't use it, you lose it. It's, you wave it. It's gone. And if enough people don't use it long enough, it doesn't even exist anymore. We don't recognize it's there. It's biblical. Our common law is consonant with the Bible. It didn't come out of the Bible, but it's consonant with the Bible because it is our recognition of the way things are and how, H-O-W, we are to approach the government. How do you approach them? With your mouth shut. That's where you start. You may choose to speak at some point. I've been on the witness stand, and I've chosen to testify on my own behalf. I've done that. I've also chosen not to talk. That's a choice you make under responsibility to your maker to make the right choice. How do you know to make the right choice? Well, you've got to get your blood bibbling. There's no other way to do it. Blood. Bibbling blood. How do you do that? You soak your brain in the Bible. 
constantly. You put the word of God in mental sod. You keep it there. Amen. That's right. And if you do that, that's the only way, only way that your reaction and the law of God will come out. The law of God, a due process in this case, our common law, is the way we go about doing things. How do you approach government? How, the way you do it, you do it with your mouth shut. That's how you do it. You don't, my mother used to say, don't enter a room mouth first. No, no. Enter the room silently. Wait till you get to the lay, the lay of the land. I'm a lawyer. I walk into the courtroom. When I walk into the courtroom, I walk in quiet. I look around. I listen for a little bit. Try to discern what's going on. What kind of judge is this up here? Maybe I've never seen him before. I watch him deal with other, other um, people before the court. What's the demeanor? That's called wisdom. I don't always do it, but I know it's the right thing to do, and I try to do it. I come on to your show. I don't come on cocked and loaded to start talking before you do. No, I wait. You're the host. You have jurisdiction. You have right. jurisdiction. Sure. If you tell me to shut up, I don't want to show my show anymore. Well, I'm gone. <laughs> I've done that to people on my show. <laughs> well, that, I don't but, think that's going to happen here. I don't. I, oh, uh, anything can happen, Tim. But I don't think it'll happen either. If somebody asked me to bet on it, I'd say not. But you get my point, and I, yes. the, I, mean, I want the listeners to get the point. I know you get the point. I've had trouble with that on the radio. People think want to come in and take over, and I just had to beat them down like redheaded stepchildren. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't always easy either. Sometimes they're more determined than me, but. God, if God gives you jurisdiction, you and you don't defend it, you're sinning against God. Hmm. If God gives me jurisdiction over microphone and I don't defend it when I think it needs to be defended, then I'm sinning against God because I'm despising the gift. With every responsibility you get, and that's a right, with every responsibility you get attached to that is the duty before the giver to defend that jurisdiction. Every judge knows that about his courtroom. Every lawyer knows about that with relations, his relationship with his client. Every military hmm. officer and non-commissioned officer and even every private soldier and seaman deuce know that. They all have jurisdiction. Every mother ought to know that. She has a jurisdiction. She better not give it up. What is it? Well, to put it in a nutshell, it's to uh, safeguard your home. So, ladies, safeguard your home. That old word, uh, keepers at home in the Bible, doesn't mean you're a housekeeper. You, you should do that and keep your house orderly, but what that word means is protect your home. That means you should learn how to use a rifle, a pistol. Yep. Yeah, all those things. Well, every man has a jurisdiction too, and if he doesn't defend his jurisdiction, he's a sick man. He's irresponsible. For Worse now, than right? an infidel and has denied the faith. Well, all I need is an amen corner, Tim. But yeah. uh, thanks. Well, I'll back to you. I'll yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I was. I, I got to tell you, I was thinking about this. This. Uh, I, I'm debating on whether I want to play it, but it actually makes the point of mm -hmm. keeping your mouth shut. And <laughs> I, you know it? what? I'm debating on it. It's. I, I'm not going to recommend the film to people, but uh -huh. it was a a film called Jack Reacher. This came out years ago. And there's this scene in it, and mm -hmm. it's only a couple of seconds that I'm going to play of it. Yeah. But he comes okay. in, and you can see how they're trying to get him, like what you said. We can use oh, this yeah. and all this other. And I want you to watch his reaction. Check this out. All right. And hold on. I have, uh, I have that muted, so let me try that again. Oh. We'll just pick it up okay. right here. Okay. Upon leaving yesterday, did you attempt to contact Major Turner? Did you confront her attorney, Colonel Moorcroft, at Fort Dyer? At said you didn't have to say anything. Yes. Yes, you confronted him? Yes, I understand. I don't have to say anything. For the record, you did confront him. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> I think somebody has... The major has an injury to his hand. Not clip this. And it's caused problems. Anyway, that they, it, it's not the full thing. I just pulled it up kind of off the cuff because I remember seeing that and I thought it was brilliant. He's told and they skipped that part. I don't know why they cut that part out. It's kind of weird. But they, he, he tells him you don't have to say anything because it can and be, will be used against you in a court of law. 
And then he keeps answering yes. And the guy goes, yes, you did this. And he goes, yes, I understand. I don't have to say anything. So I think, I think that's kind of, I don't even know if we need to say that. If we have the right to remain silent, we don't have to tell them, I have the right to remain silent. You just said that. And I, again, it, it's kind of comical to see that kind of thing. But the seriousness of the matter demands that you don't say anything. Uh, if you're Listen, taken in by some of these things. Yeah. <laughs> Are you done, Tim? Yes. Okay, um, you know, you could be stopped, um, and it looks innocent, and some cop pulls up beside you while you're walking some evening with your wife or, or your husband and says, uh, what are you doing here? And you say something. And for all you know, a murder was just committed down the road. And what you said may have implicated you, and you don't know it. And you're innocent. The Fifth Amendment is to protect the innocent as well as the guilty. From Amen. having to That's talk. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, in that clip, something happened there that was very important, and a, you made a comment. You said, I don't think you needed to say anything. And that's been the interpretation of our Fifth Amendment since the beginning until uh, about uh, 10, 12 years ago. And what happened 10, 12 years ago is this. In this case, went to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, I'm not saying this is right, and I'm not saying this is the true understanding of the Fifth Amendment, but I am saying if you go to court, this is what they're going to demand, and this is what's going to happen, because our common law is all about us trying to figure out how to apply these fundamental first principles, these duties that God has given us. And what happened in this case that I'm going to tell you about, a man in Nevada was out on a deserted desert road, and there are thousands of miles of deserted dirt roads in Nevada. And he was near a small town, and uh, he was talking to his daughter, who was in another vehicle. They'd both gotten out, and, and there was an altercation between them. Loud voices. Another pickup truck came by and heard him arguing, and uh, got on the cell phone and called the sheriff. Well, the sheriff's deputy hightails it out there and, and says to the father, What's your name? And he says, nothing. He didn't say anything. What's your name? You show me a driver's license. He didn't do nothing, doesn't say nothing. So the cop handcuffs him, throws him in the cruiser, takes him back, books him, and charges him with the crime of not providing his name. Now, in Nevada at that time, there's a statute on the books that says if you refuse to provide your name, to a law enforcement officer, and there was a fine of $250. Well, he could have paid the $250 and just let it go, but for some reason he decided to take it to court. And uh, there's only two levels of courts in Nevada. There's the trial court and the Supreme Court. And the reason it's that way is because hardly anybody ever lived in Nevada and they didn't have any problems they had to worry about and had more courts. <laughs> It's still that way, as far as I know, unless they've changed it. Maybe they have. But back then, it went to the Supreme Court of Nevada after that because they both disagreed about whether or not he had to provide his name. And then from the Supreme Court of Nevada, it went and was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. Big case. And I had uh, a case just like it that I had a client in court at that time. And I was dealing with uh, trying to settle with the U.S. or the state's attorney in this little county where I was over that question because he wouldn't tell the cop his name. And they arrested him and the cop got his shirt torn because he jumped on the guy and a bunch of stuff happened. But in this case, which was analogous to my case, I told the state's attorney, why don't we just wait till the Supreme Court case is handed down whether or not you have to provide your name and then we'll know. What? No hurry here. My client's not in a hurry. I ended up settling with him. I just told uh, told the state's attorney, listen, my client says he'll buy your, your sheriff's deputy two new uniforms. Because he ripped, they got into a physical tussle and ripped the guy's shirt, and that really hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> we got in front of a judge, and the, we, we told him what we'd settled on. The judge looks at the state's attorney and says, can I do that? And uh, I remember the state's attorney, he gave the right answer. He said, judge, it's your courtroom. You can do anything you want, which was true. And he did. And that's the way we settled the case. He bought Interesting. two uniforms. Oh, unless somebody appeals it, right? If there's not a problem, there's no problem. The law is only good for the courtroom, and sometimes there it doesn't even matter. 
Outside of the courtroom, people can settle their matters and do what they want, the way they want, as long as there's not a problem and somebody wants to go to court. Well, in this case in Nevada, it went to the Supreme Court of the United States. The Supreme Court said this, a woman turned the tide in that case. A woman sitting on the bench of the U.S. Supreme Court, who, in my humble uh, studied opinion, didn't have a clue what she was doing, never did, never practiced law, like a lot of them on the court these days, didn't understand the principle, and uh, said, well, we can't rule in favor of this man, because if we do, it's going to cause a flood of cases to come into the courts, or we'll be overwhelmed. Of course, I'm saying, who cares? That, that, that's not my problem. Aren't a man's fundamental rights more important than any convenience of the court? See, that it, the practicality of administration was more important to her. And in a lot of cases, she took that position. Silly. That's just utterly silly. But at any rate, the court said this. The court upheld the statute that says you have to provide your name. That's what the court did. So you don't have to provide anything else, but if there is a statute in the state that says you have to provide your name, you got to provide it or you're suffer the consequences of that statute. I don't believe that's right. I don't believe that's even constitutional, but I agree. But if you go to court on that question, that's what's going to happen to you. That's what a lawyer tries to bring to the table. Not any, anybody can read the law and figure out what's right. That's why we have juries because these, these guys in the juries, they go on their guts. We want them to. We don't want them to be lawyers. But if you go to court, that's what's going to happen. Why? Because of separation of powers. The courts follow the courts. The courts, the judicial branch does what it says and what it, it for whatever reason, believes is constitutional. That's why they do what they do. Well, at any rate, that's the way that, that case played out. Now, another case came up then a few years later that fills the thing out a little more. Now, I'm not talking about what the law is here. I'm talking about what the courts will do to you. And you need to know that. Another case came out of Texas and wound up in the Supreme Court a few years later. Called uh, Texas versus Salinas. It was a criminal case about a fellow that went to a party. His name was Salinas. And where there's booze and smoking and pot, there's always looseness of sexual mores and often other crimes such as murder. Those people get that liquid courage in them, and they want to go out and fight. <laughs> Not all people, but some do. In this case, it came down to a 12-gauge shotgun, and a man picked one up and blew the other fellow away out in the front yard of this house where this party was going on. Maybe it was over a girl. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Well, everybody ran. Well, about 10 years later, cops had a lead on who they thought might have done it because they had some ballistics. They said. Are there ballistics on a shotgun? Well, no, there's pretty smooth barreled, you know. <laughs> but they told they told the suspect they had ballistics, and the ballistics on the blast shot, uh, matched up with the ballistics of his 12-gauge shotgun. This was years later. They, they asked him at first. They said, would you come down to the police station? Sure. He came down. He sat at the table. They asked him questions. Then they said that. And he didn't say anything. He just sat there and looked down and shuffled his feet. They lied to him, and there's no law against them lying to him. Is that right? No, I don't believe that's right. But you lie to them, it's a felony, and you'll go to prison. You say, that's not right. No, I don't believe that's right either. But I'm telling you, that's what will probably happen. Again, I, you know what, Brent? Let me, let me interject there just a second. When you say there's no law against them lying to you, I think in a public capacity, a public uh, service is a public trust. That's what they're engaged in, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. when they lie to you, they're committing a fraud against you, are they not? Oh no, I agree with you, but there's okay. no law in the books. That's, there's no law in the books that sure, that but but you, that but you I can prosecute them with sure, that's but I but I think I think it if you have an issue if you're looking to if you're going to turn it around and prosecute them and they have engaged in that. See, this is one of the things, Brant, and maybe you can speak to this on this particular subject. I have a real problem with entrapment. I have a problem yeah. with law enforcement officers being allowed or quote unquote being allowed to break the law in order to get lawbreakers. In other words, you can send your female out done up like, uh, you know, a hussy and you can put mm -hmm. her on the corner there and she can 
you present herself as a prostitute, which is they claim is against the law there. And yet when a man comes up and solicits her, yeah. she's not arrested. He is. No, and right. so that's it, and, and the same thing happens in the DEA. They're going to handle the drugs. We've seen it with yeah. the FBI and they go oh. and they take over a, a child mm -hmm. porn site. Mm -hmm. And for a week they're out there distributing video. Although the, every instance it has major judgments against them or punishments mm -hmm. is supposed to incur. They don't, yeah. they don't experience any of it. And some people are just fine with that because they say, look, they got the bad guys. And then when the news comes out that the FBI or the defense department or somebody has been looking at child porn, everybody goes, mm -hmm. I can't believe they're, well, dummy, you've been saying it's okay for them to do it. And, and yeah. it just drives me crazy. So I assume yeah, no. this is another reason. Keep your mouth shut. Oh, yeah. You're better off Good to point. do. Good point. Yeah, yeah, because uh, they're uh, they're mortals and they're uh, depraved, and you put them in position of power, and it exacerbates the depravity even more than our own. Are you there, Tim? Yep, I'm here. I I totally oh, okay. agree. I thought you were going to go ahead okay. and go off on that. I I think that's exactly right, and I I think that's part of why we need to do what you said, and that is, you know continue to flush our minds as it were with the word of God. You know, it talks about the husband mm -hmm. does that for the wife. He washes mm -hmm. her with the water of the word. And I'm mm -hmm. reminded of an old story where that there was a guy, he brought in a basket full of coal and he took his grandson. His grandson says, he says, take this basket down to the Creek. This is in the old days when you didn't have, you know, a sink or something like that. Take it down to the Creek and uh, wash that basket out. And the son, mm -hmm. the grandson came back and it's still a little dirty. He goes, take it back down there and wash it out again. And he sent him down there several times until almost all the coal was gone. And he then relayed to his grandson, this is what the word of God does. It's not that you read it once and it just magically cleanses everything. It's that you continue to wash yourself in the word till you know that. And part of that is self-control, controlling your tongue. I mean, those are very basic principles that can be used when you're dealing with, as you said, depraved men. And I know a lot of people have a problem with that. Uh, I believe the mm -hmm. reformed tradition, I think like you do of total depravity. It doesn't mean man is as bad as he can be. It just means he's been affected in every fiber of his being with the fall and the fall did that. And that's what made us slaves. That's why we need a savior from sin who is none other than Jesus the Christ. So with that said, we got about two minutes here. And if we want to continue mm -hmm. over, we can do that. But what would be a final word of exhortation? Because I think we kind of covered some of this. What would be a final a word of exhortation you give to the audience? And you got about a minute and 50 seconds or so. Well, that case I was talking about, Salinas versus Texas, he didn't say a word. Went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, well, if you're going to assert the Fifth Amendment, you've got to say so. And they, what they did in closing arguments in his, his uh, case for murder, his trial for murder, the, in the closing arguments, the prosecutor brought up the, the fact that was testified to that when they told him about the ballistics of the gun matching his, that he didn't say anything, but he looked nervous and shuffled his feet. And he tried to exclude that from evidence because what they were doing was using his, his exercise of a fundamental right to prosecute him. That's against the law, too. And the Supreme Court got it wrong. And they, I'm telling you how it works now. So you just say, well, I take the fifth, or I rest on the right to remain silent, or uh, objection fifth. Anything you can say to acknowledge that you're resting on the protection of the Fifth Amendment is important after that case. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so I don't want okay. people to get the idea that just not talking is enough. You don't need to be belligerent about it. You know, some people, a uh, cop will stop them and for a traffic violation. And, uh, Where are you going today? Oh, I don't answer questions. But uh, what is it you need? And I'll, I'll uh, obey. Well, where are you going? Well, I, I don't answer questions. Well, answer my question. Well, I have a right to remain silent. If you would please just tell me what you need. You know, do like that. Be always calm and respectful. That's hard to do, by the way. Sure. But that's, that's the thing I leave you with. Okay. All right. And I want to let people know that you can find Brent at commonlawyer.com, commonlawyer.com. The book you mentioned, we'll have the link up for that as well. I drop it in the chat. And then also be sure to check out Brent. He's, he's, in, he's uh, translated the Bible out of all the languages uh, right into English. And you can pick that up. It's like a four volume set there. You can catch that on commonlawyer.com. 
See you in the morning, Lord willing. Adios.